All right, at this time, we're going to release our children to Children's Church. So as Josh said, if you haven't already signed them in, it's not right out here. It is as they're going down the stairs down there at the, uh, the welcome uh, check-in desk there uh, where you will check them in. All right, very good. Now, for the rest of you that are too old to go to Children's Church, you're stuck with me. So therefore, I would encourage you to get out your Bibles because we're going to look at uh, another step leading towards the cross. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, in chapter 20, I want to read verses 29 through 34. I want to share with you as we're going through our little mini-series of Jesus preparing us for the cross. There were some lessons and, and life's lessons that Jesus taught his disciples along the way, but not only his disciples, but he taught us that as we look at the, the journey to the cross or the steps to the cross, there are some things that Jesus wants us to stop, listen, and learn. So today I want to challenge you to come to hear the sermon this morning with your eyes wide open. Now I'm not saying some of you are falling asleep, but you are. Uh, uh, but we'll wake you up this morning. But I want you to hear with your eyes wide open. And what I mean by that is not just your physical eyes, but your spiritual eyes. I want you to listen and hear what God is saying this morning. So let's stand together as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. And it says, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will thou that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Father, we thank you for the fact that, Lord, without Jesus touching us, Without his, his touch of salvation, we will walk this world blind and will not see. Lord, the Bible tells us Satan blinded the eyes that we should not see. But God came along and opened the eyes wide open that we might see. And not only do we see, but we follow him. Help us, O oh Lord, to hear the truth from this, your word today. Move me out of the way, hide me behind the cross. Let your spirit speak to everyone here today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. To be sure, the fact that Jesus healed these two blind men is an incredible story. In fact, we would call it a miracle. But the fact that the story happens at the place that it happens is as significant to me as the miracle itself. Consider the scene, if you will. A crowd is following Jesus, two men sitting alongside the road, usually just begging for alms, that's money, asking for a handout, heard the crowd, 
and, and couldn't figure out what was going on, but asked, what's going on? And someone tells him, it's Jesus. Knowing who Jesus was, they cried out unto him, Son of David, come and, and, and heal us. And when the crowd says, shh, be quiet. He don't have time for your foolishness. He's got things to do, places to go, people, important people to meet. They didn't hush, but they cried out the louder. They cried out to God. They cried out to Christ and said, Son of David. Now, I know that the story doesn't say it. But can you visualize it with me just for a moment? When Jesus stopped, everybody stopped. The whole crowd stopped. Wait a minute, why, why is he stopping? I mean, we're going to Jerusalem. We've got important things to do. But when Jesus stops, everybody stops to hear what he's going to say, to see what he's going to do, and to respond to what he does and what he says. So it is this morning that as we hear, as our eyes are wide open, as the Lord stops, as he comes nearby and he stops at your pew, beside you, will you stop? Stop doing what you're doing, stop thinking about what you're thinking about and listen and see what he wants to do. A short conversation pursues between Jesus and these two men. What do you want me to do for you? Hmm. Has Jesus ever asked you that question? I think he has. And they ask, or he asks, and they answer, their eyes should be open. That's it? That's all you want? And three things happen immediately. Jesus responds. He touched them. They regained their sight. And they got up from their waywardness and followed him all the way to the cross. We can learn a lot as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. But not just in the steps that he took, but in the stops that he makes. Not just in the stops that he makes, but the people he encounters with. But not only with the people that he encounters with, but what he says and what he does teaches us so much about what you and I should know about him. So as we listen today with our eyes wide open, we learn three things in this miracle of opening the eyes of the blind. The first thing that we find is that there is a great need in our lives as well as theirs, the need for persistent faith. A persistent faith is so important. Without it, we'll not have salvation. Without it, we'll not walk with Christ. Without it, we'll miss the blessings of God. The two blind men calling out to Jesus, not only uh, on the occasion for today's passage, but they also present to us an example to us for the need for persistent faith. 
And that's where we want to begin this morning. As Jesus and the disciples leave Jericho, they encounter two blind men sitting along the side of the road, doing what they did every day, waiting for strangers to come by to beg for bread, money, or whatever it is that they could get. We know from the Gospel of Mark that one of those men was named Bartimaeus. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46, gives us the account of this and calls one of the blind men by name. The crowd would have been making a lot of noise as they were walking down the streets and down the road. And I'm sure the blind men asked, what's going on? Why the, why the big crowd? Why all the noise? They heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. They began to shout. But they didn't shout the things that you and I might think that they would have shouted. Why doesn't anybody pay attention to me? Why isn't anybody noticing my need? Why isn't anybody here for me? But what they shout was the recognition of who he was and why he was there. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. In that very phrase, we see some things that we need to understand. First of all, it was a cry for mercy cry for mercy. Notice that this cry for mercy comes by their recognition of who he is. They do not call out and say, uh, uh, these are our merits, these are our reasons why. Listen, I, 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 before I became blind or, or if I could see, I, I would have done this or I, I've been good. They didn't cry out all the good things that they had done. They didn't present a list of reasons why Jesus should stop and take care of them versus what he was doing. Their attitude is not, Lord, look what I can do for you, but rather, Lord, oh Lord, I need what only you can do for me. All too often we come to church thinking that, Lord, I'm going to do something for you instead of, Lord, what can you do only for me so that I can then go do for you? You see, the reality is, my friends, we need to come seeking who he is, crying out of mercy, Lord, have mercy upon me, that I might have mercy upon others. Their cry for mercy is an expression of faith. They hear that Jesus is passing by and they seize the moment. As far as they knew, this might be the only one and only opportunity that they have to encounter Jesus. And they are not about to miss it. There's a lesson here for us as well. We should never let Jesus just pass us by. You never know whether this may be the only opportunity that God brings for you to come to know Jesus. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. For none of us are promised tomorrow. Don't miss Jesus as he passes by today. Seize the moment.
Don't let Jesus knock on your heart's door and you not open the door and miss out on him spending eternity with you. These two men were determined not to miss out on this opportunity. So they cried out for mercy and faith. Faith in Jesus begins with the acknowledgement of our own personal need. Every one of us needs to understand that we are a sinner in need of salvation. Every one of us needs to know that the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can earn our way. None of us can merit our way. None of us can wiggle our way into heaven. Jesus said, apart from me, you cannot get there. Now, these two men were blind, could not see. The Bible says that that the devil has blinded the eyes of, of us sinners so that we should not see. Thank God he came along and opened our eyes. Their cry was an acknowledgement of their need and a demonstration of their faith. But it was also a cry not only of mercy, but a cry of acknowledgement. Listen to what they said. Crying for mercy is a great place to start, but it's not all that we need to do. True faith moves us from the problem to the solution. And so these two men who cried out for mercy, they cried out for Jesus the Messiah, the Lord. When they had heard that it was Jesus from Nazareth coming by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now that might seem simple, but listen, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible tells us the expression son of David was another expression for calling him the Messiah. You see, the Bible said that the Messiah would come as the son of David. And therefore, these men were acknowledging, we understand who you are. We know where you're going. We know what you came to do. But on your way, have mercy on us that we might follow you that we might serve you, that we might love you. These two blind men were expressing their confidence and their faith in what Jesus could do, what Jesus had come to do, healing many people, including those who are blind and those that were lame and those that were deaf and those that were filled with demons. So instead of being quiet, they cried out for mercy. They called on Jesus as Messiah and Lord, believing that he had the power to do for them what they could not do for themselves. This, my friends, is the next step in any saving faith. First, we acknowledge that our need for before God, we cry out for mercy, that we can't do it on our own. We need help. And when we call on Jesus as the promised Messiah, the Lord, who alone can meet our needs, who can take care of our sin, who can fulfill the, the, the requirements of God for a righteous sacrifice. The Bible reminds us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 13, when Paul wrote this, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
These two men who couldn't see knew what they couldn't see, but they knew who could make them see. And they cried out believing in him. What about you today? What is it you can't see? What is it that you can't see that you know that you need, but only Jesus can see what you really need? Are you crying out to him today? Are you calling upon him? Have mercy on me. Lord, Savior, King, let thy salvation be my salvation that I might walk with thee. Don't let Jesus you by. Thirdly, it was a cry that wouldn't be silenced. Too many of us today are silenced by so many things. We're living in a day in which our society, the woke society in which we live in is quieting the church because we don't want to be picked on. Too many of us are, are, are being quieted because of our jobs. We're, we're being quieted because of our positions. Too many of us are allowing the, the pressure of this world to keep us from speaking the truth that we know in our heart. We need to be like these two men. When the world says be quiet, we get louder. We let our voice be heard. We let our faith be seen. We let our need be known. It was a cry that won't be silenced. Two men crying out for mercy, calling on Jesus as Messiah and Lord, and they also persevered through many obstacles. The first obstacle was their blindness. Man, I tell you, it, it, you know, they didn't know what they couldn't see. Their blindness was an obstacle to finding Jesus and locating him in the crowd of people. They couldn't pick him out in a crowd like Judas did. They simply had to cry out in hopes that he would stop and pay attention to them because they were never going to be able to get to him. Let me remind you that none of us goes and finds Jesus. Jesus comes and finds us when we cry out in mercy, when we acknowledge that we need him, when we acknowledge that I can't get there on my own, but you've got to come where I am. The salvation of the Lord steps into the sinfulness of man instead of the sinfulness of man stepping into the salvation of the Lord. And that's what took place that day because they were unwilling to be quieted. Not even their blindness kept them from Jesus. Not only did they have to deal with the blindness, but they had to deal with trying to get the attention of Jesus with so many other people around them. Not only that, they, that, when they started to shout out to Jesus, get his attention, they were rebuked by the crowd. But you know what? They showed a persistent faith. They didn't give up. They continued. They cried out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. They persevered through the obstacles that would keep them from Jesus. Or Jesus from them. It's time we start persevering through the obstacles that keep us from getting closer to Jesus. Or Jesus getting closer to us. 
The Bible says that true saving faith is a, a, a preserving faith. And Luke chapter 18 and verse 1 tells us that Jesus told his disciples a parable that said, show them, to show them that they should always pray and never give up. We should be persevering. Acts chapter 14 verse 22 tells us that we must go through many hardships before we enter the kingdom of heaven. But we should not give up. These two blind men were determined with a persistent faith. They cried for mercy. They called upon Jesus as Messiah and they waited for him to respond. The second thing that we learn is not only do we need a persistent faith, we need the need to respond to a per, uh, penetrating questions. When Jesus comes, when Jesus stops, when Jesus speaks to you, and many of us have been there, and we've heard the question, but maybe we haven't responded. Jesus never interacts with us without asking us a question. Jesus was famous for that constantly was asking questions so that we would know what we needed to do. So how does Jesus respond to these two blind men who cry out to him? He asks him a penetrating question. He didn't ask him a surface question, so how are you boys doing today? What do you think of my crowd? No, he didn't talk about all the foolishness of the things that we could talk about. When Jesus stopped for them, even though he was busy, surrounded by a crowd, on his way to Jerusalem where he knew that he would suffer and die, Jesus had a thousand things on his mind. These two blind men became an important stop for him. He stopped and he called out to them. Remember, Jesus had just told his disciples earlier that the Son of Man had come not to be served, but to serve. Now Jesus has a perfect opportunity to practice what he preached. In the midst of all of his busyness and the crowd and the pressing uh, details of, of what was going to happen in Jerusalem, Jesus makes a stop to serve these two blind men. Jesus reminds us that he is never, ever too busy to stop for your need. No matter how small, no matter how insignificant, no matter how great, no matter how difficult, Jesus is never too busy to stop and meet your need. Jesus simply asks one question that got to the heart of what these two men really needed. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked the two blind men who cried out for mercy, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to listen to that question just for a moment. He's not just speaking to the blind men today. He's speaking to all of us. What is it that you want Jesus to do for you? What is it that he could do for you right now? 
before we get to his answer, you and I need to, to answer this for ourselves. What do you want Jesus to do for you? It's not a theoretical question. Because Jesus is as alive and as well today as he was the day that he stood before Bartimaeus and the other blind man. This is his word and he's speaking directly to you this morning. He wants you to know that he is specifically making a request for you to answer this penetrating question. Now why is this question so penetrating? Because the answer that you and I give, the answer that these two blind men give, tells us everything about our faith and our relationship with Christ. Because here's the truth. Just as the two blind men, how they answer tells a lot about them, what you and I say will tell a lot about us. How you really understand your need this morning will also show us what you think about Jesus. See, if you ask for something small, something trivial, something insignificant, what it shows is you have a small view of what Jesus wants to do for you. You see, if you ask him, Lord, if you could just meet my bills, Lord, if you could just, you know, um, get me a new car. Man, my two-year-old car is just not cutting anymore. I mean, if we start asking God, for the trivial, small things of life, the unimportant things, what that says about us is we don't really see our own need. We don't understand who he really is. You see, if we ask God something grandiose, if we ask God to do something for us, God, revive my broken heart. Renew in me a right spirit within you. Lord, make me on fire for you. Make me so that I will walk in on water for you. What that says, what that says about our need is that we know that we can't do the, the great things for God without his help. What it says is that we know that our need, our sin, our, our failures, our faults, our humanness keeps us from being all that God wants us to be. But his power... His majesty, His might, His, His grace, His mercy can make us do the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the miraculous, the great. It says to us that we understand how great Jesus really is, how powerful He is, what He wants for us. Maybe some of us are saying, Lord, what my greatest need is, is for my child to come to know you. For my child to give their heart to you. Lord, my greatest need is that before I leave this world, that they will walk in newness of faith. Do you believe Jesus can do it for you? You see, Jesus asked them a penetrating question to say, what do you really believe about me? What do you know about me? What do you want from me? John Newton, who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, also wrote these words. Thou art a coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. 
When Jesus asks you, what do you want him to do? It's not, he's not like a genie in the bottle where you can rub and you get to, you know, the lottery numbers. What does Jesus want to do for you? What do you want the king of the universe to do for you? Here's a hint that I hope will help you to pray the right prayer. When you think about what is your greatest need, for the two blind men, their need was clear. They, they wanted to see. How foolish it would have been for them to ask Jesus for something less. Lord, can you just you know, serve us up dinner? Lord, can you, uh, 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 can you uh, give us a, a, you know, a handout? How foolish it would have been. How foolish are we when we ask for the things that are trivial or things of this world instead of the spiritual things of God? What do you want Jesus to do? It's a penetrating question because it sneaks deep into our love, our knowledge, our trust, our faith in him. Jesus is stopping this morning and he's speaking to you. What we ought to say is, Lord, what I need is for you to open my eyes wide open that I might see you as I've never seen you before. Oh, that we could do that. The Bible reminds us that Jesus is stopping by lots of people and asking the penetrating question only to get a response that leads them nowhere. They're not responding to the gospel. They're looking for the things of this world. Don't be one of them. The third thing that we see and we learn from this miracle is our need to receive the most from God. We need a persistent faith that, that cries out. We need to respond to the penetrating question that, that will change our life. But we need to understand that we need to receive the most from God that we can get. In verses 33 and 34, we find that there is a, 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 a willingness to receive all that God has for them. So here's our possible answer for today. In light of Jesus' mission, as described in John chapter 9, to bring the sight to the blind. In light of Jesus asking the penetrating question here in Matthew chapter 20, how about answering Jesus when he asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Lord Jesus, open my eyes. Good prayer for us to pray. It is good to ask the Lord to open our eyes, not just our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes. So that when we pick up his word and we begin to read it, it is no longer just a book with words on a page, but it is the living word of God that speaks into our life and tells us how that he wants to strengthen us to walk rightly before him. Oh, that we would open our eyes. That he would open our eyes to see that which is before us. Jesus asked the, the two men, what do you want? 
And of course, they answered, we want our sight. And if that were all that they would have received, it would have been a great miracle. But look at what the scripture says. It's not all that they received. It says in verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and what did they do? They followed him. They said, Lord, thank you for the sight that we can now see the path in which we're living. Thank you that we can now walk with the crowd now that we can go to Jerusalem with you. Lord, now that we can see what you're going to do for not only us but for all of the world. Oh, that if the church would only open their eyes wide open and see what God has done for us. What he has done not only for us, but for the world. Oh, church, we need to see that Jesus is in the business of opening our eyes, but not just our physical eyes. What they received on a physical level was supernatural. The two men responded, Lord, we want our sight, and, and demonstrating once again their faith in the Lord and, and the Messiah. Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes. He didn't tell them to go to the pool and wash. He didn't tell them to go uh, show the priest. He simply opened their eyes so that they could see. So on the physical level, the two blind men told Jesus, we want to see, and they demonstrated their faith in Christ, and Christ demonstrated his power in them and opened their eyes that they could see. They received sight so that they could walk the road of life and follow Jesus. But listen, we can't just be satisfied with God coming along and meeting some physical needs. We need to go deeper. We need to go higher. We need to say, Lord, I need to receive something on a spiritual level. Jesus' miracle always have a spiritual meaning as well. And on the spiritual level, we demonstrate faith by recognizing our own spiritual darkness, our own need. We cry out for mercy knowing that our sin has kept us from God. We call on Jesus as Messiah and Lord because we know that he is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We persist in our faith by persevering through the obstacles on our way to following Christ. There's always going to be someone coming along and saying, you don't need Jesus. You don't need religion. You don't need church. You don't need others. You're good on your own. The devil's always got somebody to tell us we don't need. But God gave his spirit to tell us that we have a need. And it's a spiritual need. We ask Jesus to open our eyes of our heart that we may see and that as we see, we may follow him wherever he leads. When you and I cry out for mercy, when we ask Jesus to open our eyes of our heart, he promises that he will have compassion on us. He will touch us. He will give us sight. He will cause us that were once blind to now see. And then we will be able to sing the other words that John Newton wrote in that hymn, Amazing Grace. 
I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Don't be satisfied just asking God to meet a physical need. When He wants to go deeper, He wants to go higher, and He wants to let you see Him in His fullness. There's an old saying. It goes like this. There are none so blind as those who will not see. Not that they can't, but they won't. Is that you this morning? Are you standing there and saying, no, thank you, Jesus? I don't have a need this morning. Nope. I don't need a savior. I'm okay. I'll figure it out along the way. I'll I'll balance the scales. I'll do more good than I do bad. Are you one of those who are so blind that you won't see? Not that you can't see, but you won't. Jesus can open the blinded eye and help you see your need in his salvation. All you need to do is believe that God has promised to you his power. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you can be saved. For he goes on to say, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you notice what he's saying? The Apostle Paul is saying God has done everything that he needs to do to open your eyes wide open. It's up to you. It's up to you to get out of your seat and come to the altar, come to Jesus and say, Here am I, blind as I may be. I know that thou can make me see. It's up to you to say, Lord, here's what I need today from you. How many of us will go home fine today? Not because we can't, but because we won't come to the one who can make us see. Please be reminded, as we prayed about our loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord, we prayed about our older generation. Let me just remind you of one truth. One out of one dies, and there is no age to it. No one, no one, teenager, child, young adult, old person, is guaranteed tomorrow. That's why Jesus says, come today. Come today, before it is eternally too late. Is Jesus asking you this morning, what can I do for you? If so, what better response could we say than open my eyes of my heart, O Lord, that I may see and follow thee? With that being said, with every eye closed and every head bowed, you'll come to the piano. Just, just some soft piano music, please. 
I want to pray for you this morning. There's not a one of us that shouldn't be here at this altar this morning. There's not a one of us that is where we need to be. There's not a one of us that doesn't have something that we need Jesus to meet in our life. Now, it might start off with a physical need. But remember, every physical miracle had a spiritual miracle attached to it. What will you need this morning? What will it take for Jesus to open your eyes? Now you might say, well, preacher, I'm saved. I I know I'm, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, you might be. But where are you spiritually? Where are you in your walk and your relationship with Christ? Are you struggling? Has the Word of God lost its desire? Have you lost your desire for it? Is your prayer life struggling? Are your relationships with others tenuous at best? Then Jesus is asking you today, what can I do for you? Open my eyes that I might see my sinfulness and I might see my need. This morning, as we pray, let the Spirit of the Lord speak to you today. Let the grace of God minister to and through you. Lord, I come before you this morning pray for each and every heart that is here. Lord, this sermon has been brewing in my heart for two weeks because of last week we couldn't be here. Lord, you've been asking, what can I do for you? Open my eyes that I might see the revival of the Lord, that I might see your children walk with you. Open my eyes that I might be the one who leads by humbling myself before you in my need. Open our eyes, Lord, that we would see that God, we're holding back God from giving to us all that he has for us. And we can let go this morning. And we can let God do miraculous things. Oh, Lord, speak to your children. Lord, call those who have not given their heart to you into salvation. Open their eyes, oh, Lord, that they might see the salvation of the Lord. Let not their age Let not their station, let not their their position keep them from you, O Lord. But may you move in a mighty and powerful way. In Jesus' name.